Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Thank you for reading our scripture and praying. Uh, as you're turning in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, uh, I will date myself here and I will say, do any of you remember the old Mission Impossible show that would come on late at night, like 1130 and 12 o'clock? And the voice would say, this is your mission, should you choose to accept it? And in 30 seconds, this message will self-destruct. And you saw the old real tapes start to go up in smoke. Or what about James Bond, right? Everybody loves James Bond. James Bond was a man on a mission. And no matter what happened, he was going to accomplish what he set out to do. Sometimes you love a movie or a show, right? Um, with, with that excitement, adventure, good guys, bad guys, a plot, some mystery. Well, that's exactly what we have here in Ephesians chapter 3. There is this guy, in the beginning of our movie, he was a bad guy. He had this momentous life-altering experience, and instead of persecuting people, he became a good guy. But then just when the movie is like turning the corner and you think the good guys are going to win, bad stuff happens to this guy at every turn. He's trying to do the right thing, right? He's out on his mission, and at every turn, his life becomes more challenging. People are trying to kill him, and he's avoiding death while trying to stay focused on his mission. But then there's one group over here, they're trying to kill him, He escapes again, and then another group over here, they arrest him and lock him up. He's been locked up multiple times. But in our movie, we know he's one of the good guys, so we say, how's he going to get out of this? And why is the good guy being arrested? Or why are they trying to kill the good guy, right? And then in the midst of all that, he's speaking and writing these letters, and he talks about these mysteries, And these mysteries are very important, and he needs to explain them to people. That's part of his mission as well. I didn't just make this up. This is the life of the Apostle Paul. And we're in the middle of the book of Ephesians, a letter he wrote to this group of people. And one of the things he's telling them is how important the church is. But all these things are going on spiritually that they need to understand. And so here we are. Anthony read our scripture, and here's the challenge today in verses 1 through 13. Verses 1 through 13 are a 128-word run-on sentence without a finite verb. You say, oh, pastor, you are such a nerd. But I'm not, because Paul does this just to make our lives difficult. No, I'm just kidding. But what he's also going to say here is, so, so you remember last time he was talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, right? And he said, you who were near and you who were far away have both been made one in Jesus Christ. So he's saying, you groups of people, you don't look like each other. You don't talk like each other. You come from different places. A lot of you hate each other. But in Christ Jesus, the two groups are being made one. And so this is a very important This is a very important message that Paul is sharing with the church because the Jews, because they had this prior relationship with God, they thought they knew God better, right? So they would tell these Gentiles that they had to become Jewish or they had to become circumcised. And and so so Paul had to deal with all these challenges in the church. 
Sometimes church can be complicated, right? But so Paul wants them to understand the importance of the church, importance of their relationship with Christ. So, so chapter 3, he's getting ready to pray for them. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, and then he stops, and there's a dash even in your Bibles. And what he does is he goes back to his previous topic. So, so I don't want to get crazy here, but look at verse 14. He says it again. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. He finally has a verb, and he finally tells him what he wants to do. But in verse 1, he gets ready to start that prayer, and then he says, it's kind of like he has a squirrel moment and he goes back to what he was talking about before. Okay, so we're going to talk about four things here today in this 128-word run-on sentence. And that is understanding the mission, understanding the message, understanding the messenger, and understanding God's eternal purposes. Okay, so that's where we're going to go this morning. In verses 1 through 5, we're going to talk just a little bit about understanding the mission. All right, Paul is on a mission. But as a matter of fact, Paul says, and we'll come back to this, I'm the prisoner of Jesus Christ for the sake of you Gentiles. So Paul's, Paul is under Roman arrest. He's under house arrest. Paul had an ankle bracelet on. Yeah, he did. Paul, Paul was under, and it wasn't like a horrible thing. He just couldn't leave his house, right? So like, you know, when you do something wrong, but it's not bad enough to lock you up in jail. So Paul was under house arrest. The Romans have arrested him. But you know what he says? He says, I'm a prisoner, not of the Romans. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And watch this. Because of you guys, <laughs> Paul, he doesn't mean it that way, right? He said, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ for your sake. Paul, the, the momentous, the crazy experience he had was when he met Jesus Christ. Paul used to persecute Christians and lock them up and beat them, and Lord only knows what else, right? It's not recorded that he murdered Christians, but it's understood he very well could have. And so, and so Jesus says, no more, Paul, you, you're mine now, right? So Paul gets saved, his life, so you guys know that about Paul's life, right? Then here's what God does. God sends Paul on a mission. Paul is the preacher to the Gentiles. They take, God takes this Jewish guy, right, and makes him the preacher to the Gentiles, right? So, so don't be alarmed, don't be alarmed when God does something in your life that seems upside down. Don't be alarmed when God said, this is who you used to be, but guess what? Now you're going to do this. And look, and you're going to have all these troubles, but it's not the troubles that you should be focused on as me. Paul says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, not of the Roman guards. Amen. So Paul, and understanding the mission, and that's an important part of that, because in our mission... In your mission for Jesus, if you have one, if you're a Christian and follower of Jesus, you're going to experience difficulty. The Bible doesn't say you get saved and your life is just a bed of roses and a happy time. There's going to be trials and tribulations. Now, there's different kinds. There's trials and tribulations when I mess up in sin and God disciplines me. But there's also trials and tribulations when you're really out there serving Jesus and bad stuff still happens. So, Paul's understanding the mission here and he says... He uses this word stewardship. And when Anthony read it in verse 2, it's, it said, it said uh, um, use your words, Charlie, administration. And it's used differently, but it's really important here and it's cool. 
So on our second slide here, you'll see all three of those. Understanding trials and tribulations. We'll go to Acts 23 uh, on a different slide. But so understanding, we talked a little bit about understanding trials and tribulations, but Paul had a God-given strategy. This oikonomia, this oikonomia in a Greek language, sometimes it just means it's a stewardship. God gives you, you know, God has assigned you to a task. He's given you something to do and you need to understand it. But this oikonomia is, a, is more like, and it's used twice in the Bible like this, and I agree with the writer, mostly because I like it, but I agree with the writer who said it's more like a strategy. Paul says, God has given me this strategy of God's grace that was given to me for you. So God saved Paul and showed him his grace, but not just so that Paul could be saved, but so that Paul could give it to the Gentiles. So one, understanding this God-given strategy, the strategy was not just to enjoy one's salvation, but to share it with others. Paul was called to share it with the Gentiles. I've been called, and I've been called to share the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ with folks in Barclay and Midway in Baltimore City. So where are you being called to share the gospel? In your building, in your neighborhood, on your campus, in your workplace? What is your God-given strategy? Now, there's, we're going to see a little bit, there's something different about Paul than, than you and me, and we'll make that distinction so that we're true to the Word of God here. But So Paul had a God-given strategy, and he knew what it was. If you don't get anything else, get this today. I need to get this today. What is the God-given strategy? Am I understanding it, and am I doing it? What is your God-given strategy? And, and, and later on, we'll say, what's keeping you from, what's keeping me from it? What's preventing me from accomplishing that? Am I focused on the mission like Paul is? We're going to talk about a few of those things. So one, uh, understanding trials and tribulations. You're focused on the mission. You want to get out here, but bad stuff happens. Am I going to let that deter me from my mission? There's a God-given strategy, both in the Word of God in general for all Christians, but then also in your life and my life. God is communicating through your spiritual gifts, who you are, where you've been, what you look like, all those things. God uses all those, by the way. And, and, and then he has a strategy for your life, or if you'd rather, God's will. But so Paul was very strategic, okay? And then we see communicating the message. So understanding the mission entails a lot of things. We're just talking about three of them here. But Paul says, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery. So here is this mystery. And he said, by referring to it, when you read it, you can understand my mystery, uh, in the mystery, my insight into the mystery of Christ. So now we've got this mystery here, and it's going to be revealed in verse 6. So we're not too far in here. But Paul is starting to communicate the message, okay? Now, Paul was an apostle and he did receive special revelation. He wrote books of the Bible. So under the Holy, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, he wrote his letters are books of the Bible. So Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write parts of the Bible. We believe that the canon of scripture is complete. And so God, you and I, I don't believe that you and I receive individual special revelation. Now God reveals all kinds of stuff to us through his word. But I do not believe that God will give me a special message that he won't give to you. I believe the canon of scripture is complete. 
But so God gave Paul this special revelation, and that's the difference, okay, in Paul's strategy. And, and we want to be clear about that. But Paul, so understanding the miss, mission, Paul was very aware. He was focused. He wasn't going to let the Jews who wanted to kill him, the Romans who wanted to lock him up, he said, and everything else going on in his life was not going to deter him from this his God-given strategy to share the grace of Jesus Christ with Gentiles. By the way, people very different than him that he used to hate. So, one, understanding the mission. Number two, understanding the message. Understand now, here's where it gets, here's where it gets even more uh, exciting. By the way, in verse 5, I uh, skipped a good one. In verse 5, he says, in the past, in the Old Testament time, the prophets, they didn't understand this mystery that Paul's getting ready to tell them. That's all I'll say so we can move on. Understanding the message. All right, the next slide, we're going to see four or five things here. That um, the mystery is being revealed, and the mystery is this. I'm Spoiler alert, I'm just going to give it to you so I can move on. In the Old Testament, they didn't understand this thing called church. They were waiting for a Messiah. The Jews were waiting for their hero and their savior. They didn't understand. A lot of them didn't understand that it was Jesus Christ, right? So, so the mystery is that God was going to bring Jews and Gentiles into this. You and I know, because I preach it all the time, I won't do it today, we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. God's original covenant relationship with Abraham, he said all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Jesus Christ came from the line of Abraham. Jesus Christ came from the line of David. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Therefore, God fulfilled his promise to Abraham. He fulfilled his promise to David that um, when Jesus Christ came, he is, was, and will always be Messiah and Savior. But here's what happened. Jews and Gentiles were brought together. Jews never thought that would ever happen. Gentiles didn't like the Jews that much either, right? Um, the pagan Gentiles had their own ways, their own religion, their own economy. Different parts of the world, they looked different than the Jews. They didn't like, they didn't like them either. The mystery was that God was going to bring them together under and in the Messiah in this thing called church. Church is different than Old Testament Jews going to the temple. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit resided in the Holy of Holies. They were led by the pillar of smoke in the daytime and fire by night. The priest had to go in there on behalf of the people. Jesus Christ broke that down. The church says we could come in here. Now we are the temple. The Spirit of God resides in us, and we can call on Jesus ourselves without a priest doing it for us. Amen? So, so all of that to say, everything's different. Here's the mystery revealed in verse 6. In verse 6, there are three things. There's a shared inheritance. If you and I are sharing an inheritance, that means we're related. The Jews and the Gentiles are now related in Jesus Christ. They're going to share the promises of eternity. 
They're going to share in eternal life. They're going to share in being in the presence of God forever. Jews and Gentiles are going to live after they live here on earth, are going to live in eternity in paradise with God forever. We have a shared inheritance. We have a shared inheritance here now. So Holy Spirit in you and the Holy Spirit in me. Holy Spirit in our Jewish brothers and sisters who know Jesus. We share those things. So we have a shared inheritance. In the, in the, in the Greek language here, there's three co's, like co's. We're co-heirs. And then, and, and it's really cool, this word soma for, is for the word for body. And it's like co-soma. Co, yeah, I'll mess it up now, right? Co-somia is so same body, same body. So Jews and Gentiles, what does he mean like by that? The church. We are all in the same body. We are in the body of Christ. The Bible refers to Jesus Christ as the head of the church, and we are the body. He also will talk about, he also will talk about this promise later in Ephesians, at the end of Ephesians chapter five, when in this beautiful um, um, section on marriage. And he's talking about marriage and talking about Jesus in the church. Talking about marriage, talking about Jesus in the church. And at the end, he says, but I tell you a mystery. Paul liked mysteries. I tell you another mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church. So this beautiful thing that Christ died for called the church brings Jews and Gentiles together in salvation. That's so, and we're going to start seeing what we've been seeing, why the church is so important. Church is not optional. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called to be part of a local body of believers somewhere. Um, the Word of God proves that out time and again. Um, so, shared body, shared inheritance, and shared promises, which we've already talked about. It starts and begins with the gospel. So we share all three of these things. And then Paul says, I'm going, I'm revealing this mystery to you. And he uses the word that we use for photo. Paul says, I'm shining some light. I'm flashing some light. I'm taking this picture. He uses this word, photizo. And in this idea of revealing, of revealing this mystery. So it's not like, and I like to talk about shining light in the darkness because when you shine a light in the darkness, the darkness cannot overcome it, right? John 1, 5. And the Bible also says in John 1 that Jesus Christ is, it refers to him as the light, right? And when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot overcome it. But Paul says, I'm shining this light on this mystery so that now you will understand it. So we understand the mission, we understand the message, and understanding the messenger is important as well. We've talked a little bit about everything that Paul went through, right? Trials, tribulations, hard times. In verses 1 and 2, um, we talked about Paul's strategy, God-given strategy. I won't go over that again, but we're going to see a few things. God prepared Paul for suffering. He prepared Paul for suffering. If we look in Acts chapter 23, um, and I mentioned it before, we'll go there now. Um, Paul's going before the council. Paul was very strategic in how he did things. Because he was a Jew of Jews, Paul was a Pharisee. And there were certain things you couldn't do to a Pharisee. There were certain things that the Romans couldn't do to a Pharisee. 
There were certain things that Jews couldn't do to a Pharisee, even if they were mad at him. Paul used the law to his advantage as well. He was a very smart man. But here's what happened here. So verse 12, when it was day, the, Jew, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under an oath, saying they would neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. Forty Jews got together and swore that they were going to kill Paul. He's locked up. He's under house arrest. Forty of his own countrymen, his own people, want to kill him. God had prepared Paul for this suffering. As a matter of fact, Paul, perse right, Paul persecuted Christians, and we talked about that. Um, I, I often wonder what went through his mind when he was, Paul was stoned, went through big rocks. Um, yeah, not, yeah. But Paul was stoned once. They tried to kill him, and, and he survived. You're not supposed to survive big rocks being piled on top of you. Um, somehow, I wonder, after Paul had persecuted Christians, and Paul himself experienced such horrible persecution, I just wonder, um, I wonder what went through his mind and what was in his heart. But God certainly had prepared him for suffering. And knowing oneself, you know? So, so understanding the messenger, you and I have to do some things, and we have to know ourselves as well. Some of us go to counseling, and we have therapists and counselors, and they, I'm not joking, by the way, um, I do too. And they help us know ourselves sometimes. God will use them to help us know ourselves. But why is that important here? Um, if we turn to Philippians 3, 5, and 7, I alluded to this a minute ago. So here's Paul. Paul says, Although I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. Paul said, Paul said, back in the day, I could have said I was all that. Next verse. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Paul says, look, I don't claim any of that. All that superficial, religious, fake, prideful ego stuff, gone, gone. Knowing oneself. Matter of fact, it's directly related to humility, which is D there on the list. But then Paul says something else about himself in these verses. In verses 11, um, I'm sorry, in verse, in the, yeah. He says this in, mm, mm, mm. Paul uses the word diakonos, which is the word for deacon. Paul calls himself a minister in verse 7. And what he's saying there is not a minister like a preacher, but a minister like a servant. One who puts on the towel and waits tables. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Jesus washed the feet of the disciple who was going to betray him. Paul said, I'm an apostle, but I'm going to, God has humbled me. I am a servant. I am going to put on the towel and serve God's people. Knowing oneself, God prepared Paul for suffering. Paul knew who he was in his previous life, and he knew that in Christ now that meant nothing, which put Paul in a position of humility, which is not always comfortable. Um, 
Someone that I love very much told me, if um, if you have to tell someone you're humble, you're really not humble. <laughs> think about that, I know, right? It makes me giggle, but think about it for a minute. And that every now and then I'll be like, mm, and then I don't have anything to say. So um, Paul, God put him in a position of humility. Paul uh, also realized that while he had this special mission um, that he was on and he had a God-given strategy and that he was important to the church, humility was a big part uh, of his day-to-day life. So do you and I understand ourselves as messengers? Do we understand our mission? Do we understand our message? And do we understand who we are? Not so that we can be smart, but so that we can be more effective in our mission. I know some things about myself that aren't very attractive, and um, God makes me aware of them. Sometimes God will use some of you to make me aware of them. Sometimes that's unpleasant. Sometimes I don't want you to tell me. But that's what God is doing is he's molding and shaping and chipping away um, at you and me um, to be that humble servant so that we, each one, can accomplish our God-given mission. Lastly, we're going to see here in verses 11 through 13, we're going to understand God's eternal purposes. It's important to see the big picture. One, in verses 11 through 13, he says this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The eternal purposes of God was for Jesus Christ to come to be that perfect sacrifice for sin, to live on earth, experience humanity, to die for your sins and mine, and then to be raised from the dead, conquering sin and death. God knew from eternity past, I know we're talking about that a lot, but Paul brings it up. God knew from eternity past what he was going to have to do for you and me in our need for salvation, okay? So we see here that, number one, salvation is in Jesus Christ alone. And you heard when Jalen preached Ephesians chapter 2, right? That you and I were dead in our trespasses and sins, children of disobedience, and God raised us up out of that spiritual deadness, and we were saved by grace through faith. So salvation, the eternal purposes of God, are for men and women to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and to be brought in to that eternity with God through salvation, which is in Christ alone. Good works will not save me. Coming to church will not save me. Just saying I believe in God will not save me. A life surrendered to Jesus Christ in praying for that forgiveness for sins, submitting ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, knowing that He conquered sin and death for you and me. So that's what, that is God's eternal purpose. But what we also see here, and I spoiled Ephesians chapter 5 already, didn't I? We see... Um, and he says here, um, verse 10, so that the manifold wisdom, and this manifold wisdom is almost like, it's like a, um, I think the word that was in your Bible even better when you read it. It is like a kaleidoscope. Do you ever have a kaleidoscope? Multifaceted. Do you ever have a kaleidoscope when you were kids and you turned it and you saw everything moved and went into different colors and shapes and sizes? multifaceted. That's what he's talking about here. 
so that the multifaceted, the many-faceted wisdom of God will be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenlies. So God is going to use his church. That means he's going to use you and he's going to use me to make these things known to the rulers, authorities, and everybody who observes who we are and what we do. You could say, is he just talking about spiritual realm, heavenlies, authorities? Uh, no, I think he's talking about both. Spiritual warfare, yes, the heavenlies. Is he talking about just the good authorities in heaven or the evil authorities around us? Maybe the evil ones too because they see what God's doing through his church and they can't stop it. So I do believe wholeheartedly in spiritual warfare and the forces of good and evil that we cannot see that are the devil and evil and that are the Holy Spirit, God, and angels in the heavenlies. I do believe in all of that. But I think um, I will go with the interpretation that it's all-inclusive here, that God is going to use his church. So God's church is important. Uh, you don't like a particular... No, I'm not going there. Church is important. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to be connected to the local church because God is using that vehicle to make himself known to men and women who need Jesus. We see it time and again, and we're going to see it time and again in the book of Ephesians. Paul loved the church. Matter of fact, in, the, in two chapters from now, he's going to say this, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each one of you among you is to love his own wife as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. So he, this marriage relationship between a man and a woman is the closest thing we have here on earth as a picture of what our relationship to Jesus Christ is supposed to be like. That says a whole lot about marriage, and that says a whole lot about Jesus, does it not? And so salvation is in Christ alone, God is going to use the church to carry this message. And lastly, we see uh, in verse 12, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. We have access to power. We have access to Jesus Christ. We have access to all of the blessings. We have access to everything that God wants us to have through Jesus Christ. We have boldness. We have confident access through our faith in Jesus. We are reunited to the God from whom we were separated because of our sinfulness through Jesus. And we have access. We have confident access. We have bold. We can be bold in Christ Jesus. We can be bold in our faith because of Jesus. So, understanding God's eternal purposes. Guys, so... Understanding the mission? Are you even on the mission? And if you are on the mission, Paul says here in verse 13, he starts the chapter and he ends this section. We call that an inclusio by saying the same thing. Therefore, I ask you, do not lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are for your glory. Paul says, my suffering is for your betterment. Paul says, you Gentiles, he says, don't lose heart. Don't get scared. He says, don't get scared, don't lose heart, don't be discouraged because I'm doing this 
on your behalf for your glory. He wanted the Gentiles to know Jesus. Paul was going to do whatever it took. Understanding the mission, understanding the message, understanding the messenger, and understanding God's eternal purposes. Uh, Friends, we'll continue next week because Paul's actually going to give that prayer that he's been trying to give for a chapter and a half. Uh, Every time he gets ready to pray, he has that squirrel moment. So, So God is bringing people together, unlikely groups of people together to serve him in this world. God is using unlikely people to accomplish his mission here on earth like a guy named Paul who was a persecutor of others, a persecutor of believers. So God's not going to leave you out. He has a purpose for you in this world and in your life as well. You are not too old. You are not too young. Life has not passed you by. You have much to offer in Christ Jesus to the kingdom of God. You have much to offer in God's church. So, God has not passed, time has not passed you by. God has not given up on you. He has a purpose for your life. We're talking about understanding, understanding that message, but also being part of God's church. So my challenge today is simply that. Do you understand the mission? Do you understand the message? And are you ready to do your part? Am I ready to do my part as a messenger of the gospel like Paul? Let's bow our heads in prayer.